brothers and sisters in Christ, and welcome to SJEN TV Presents, another episode of Men on a Mission. Hi, I'm your host, Bob Zeke, and we're excited to have you join us today. We have a special guest, a special treat for you, so stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the program. I'd like to introduce to you our special guest today, a real good friend of mine, too, I've known a long time, Mr. Excuse me, Deacon Neil Westoff. Neil, welcome to the program. Bob, thanks. I appreciate it. So tickled to have you here yeah, today. Yeah, appreciate you it. know, as the title of this program, Men on a Mission, certainly uh, with the collar you have on today, you've been a man on a mission. And I know our viewers would love to get to know you and to find out a little bit more about you. So, Neil, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your mission? Okay. Well, I'll, I'll start at the beginning. I was uh, one of nine children raised on a dairy farm. Uh, and I continued in the dairy business with two of my brothers until about four years ago. Um, married. My wife's name is Diane. We have... Uh, Blessed with four kids, uh, we lost one 20 years ago mm -hmm. in a truck accident. And, um, you know, I've been raised in a Catholic family. Um, Mom and dad were true to the faith. It wasn't like they preached it, but they lived it. And um, it's nine kids um, put us all through Catholic school and... Yeah. Uh, you know, as a sacrifice. So what I'm hearing is they were strong, visible witness to the faith. True, true. And they had left that visible mark upon all of their children. Then. Yeah. And my dad's mother was a great influence on all of us about our faith. Um, she became a widow uh, at the age of 30, and she wow. had four little kids. And as I grew up, she was older, but from what I knew about her, she always spoke kindly of everybody, never said anything bad about anybody. And she always had that time of prayer. True Every, Christian uh, charity. Oh, she, 10 o'clock, when she lived with us, 10 o'clock in the morning, you didn't bother grandma because she was in her room and she was praying. Wow. And I know that, see, her, her husband, be my grandfather, he committed suicide when oh. my dad was two. So that was in 1915. And back then, if you committed suicide, the church wasn't too understanding about it either. So she went through that right. growing up. And it had influence on my dad, too, right. that the, the people kind of would shy away from you because, you know, you kind of, well, your dad committed suicide and stuff like that. But I never knew that until, you know, until I was a lot older. Dad never really said anything about it. But that... Uh, that witness of my grandmother had that influence on my dad and that influence from my dad and my, and my mom helped me want to become or stay Catholic, for one thing. Uh, I didn't, I, as I went through high school, um, you know, I was in, it was in the 70s. and You went to a Catholic high school? I went to a Catholic high school. I was in, in the 70s and... and uh, I would not say that the teaching in the 70s in Catholic high school was really all that great. <laughs> I always joke about uh, when you went to religion class, all you heard were Simon and Garfunkel songs, you know, <laughs> bridge over troubled waters and no man is an island. It seemed like we heard that all the time. It's like, 
you know, kind of, there was no deep. No, no deep catechesis no, in that, huh? No, nothing. Yeah. But uh, as, as I grew older and I stayed with the faith, I went, I went uh, away to college for a year. Um, and I can remember I could not miss Mass. It was in my, it was in my soul. Just that your I, DNA. Huh? Yeah, I, I could not miss Mass. And honestly, I think maybe at one time I was maybe the only one that was going to, going to church. I, I just didn't I just didn't see it, you know. Uh, and so many people that I knew that went to the same college I did, it was a small college, they were Catholic. But when they had the opportunity to get away from their parents, they just thought, well, I don't have to do that. It's not that important. And um, as as a deacon today, I see the ramifications of that from my generation that church attendance is not all that important. So then they have kids and their kids don't go to church and now the kids today don't go to church. And we as men, and especially, you know, clergy, that's their job, right. especially the priest, right. it's their job. But as men, we are to try to get back on track and encourage men to understand what we're called to do. So in your in your travels, though, I mean, in your adult life as a as a husband and a father, mm -hmm. uh, there was a time before you had that collar on yeah. that that you as a man had to assume the responsibility of not only providing for your family, yeah. but I guess how important was uh, following in the tradition that you grew up in on passing that on to your own kids and everything. Oh, yeah. I can remember one day that, you know, I, I had four kids, and I'm thinking, I've got to know my faith. If I'm going to share this faith with my kids, and I wanted, I wanted to do that, and, you know, I didn't stay, you know, I did not have a lot of good catechesis through high school and, and so on, but I, I saw what my parents gave the example of, is that you followed the rules of the church, and you accepted them because you were humbling yourself to do that. It, it's hard to be humble, you know. Well, you also trusted it too. Then. Well, true, but it's uh, we learn a lot about obedience not only to our parents, but obedience to the church. And when my kids were little, and I realized that I had to know the faith, um, I had shared with you earlier that I was at a mass with my four kids and my wife. And I heard a priest say, I believe in the power of prayer. And that just hit me because I had never, I had never heard a priest say that before. You know, I've, I've seen different priests do different things, but uh, I'd never heard that. And it, it kind of hit me that there's a priest that really believes what he's saying. You know, he it really resonated in, with yeah. you then, huh? And, after that, I got into some Bible study, and uh, it led me to go on a weekend uh, weekend retreat called Curcio. And um, if you're not familiar with Curcio, it's a it's a weekend. It, Curcio is short for, or is it means short lesson in Christianity. So it's Curcio and Christianity is the whole thing. And it's a it's a four day. You go on a Thursday night, and you come home on a Sunday night, and I, I was 26 years old, had four little kids, and I went up to that weekend just wide open. <coughs> I wanted 
to try to understand the love of God. And, you know, I don't want to try to give everything away. Do you have any preconceived ideas going into it or? None. I knew of one person that went and it was weird because he was trying to get people to go. And uh, my sister said something to me about, hey, uh, uh, Wayne went on this Curcio weekend. Maybe you might want to go. So I went in. He was a barber in town. I went in and said, hey, Wayne, you think you could get me to go on a Curcio? He goes, what? You know, like, I, it, it's all the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy right. Spirit kind of coaxing me in there. And uh, anyway, I went uh, on a Curcio in uh, Quincy, Illinois. Yeah. And I experienced a group of men. Curcio is you get men going weekend and the wives going on a different weekend. So it's all men then? It's all men. And these all laymen? That are putting most it of them. Most of, there's, a, there's a spiritual director that's a priest and yeah. they may have... They may have a couple talks given by, by a deacon or a priest, yeah. but it's mainly lay men that come together to share their lives with total strangers. Okay. And on that Thursday night, you look around and it's like, what am I doing here? You know, I mean, it just, <laughs> and by the end of that weekend, you are so united with these other men that that you grew with, you grew in faith. And that's a neat thing, that men come together and have Christ as the center, and it draws them together. Total strangers in four days become great friends. Wow. And um, I, on that weekend, I experienced this overwhelming love for Jesus and his church. You'd never experienced anything like that before? Nothing like that before. Nothing. Okay. It was, uh, there was, oh, I, I hope I don't screw the scripture up or mess the scripture up, sorry. But anyway, um, it's First uh, Thessalonians, I think it's chapter 2, verse 4 to 12 or something like that. And it talked about, Paul was saying how, remember how when I was with you, I did not lord it over you that I, you know, that you should, you know, just follow me. But I, I treated you as children. I, I took you in and cared for you and encouraged you and all this. And I, they give you these little New Testament things. And I'm going through it on Sunday before I leave and I get that scripture. It's like, this is what these guys just did for me. They loved me, and they encouraged me. Unconditional. Oh, they, and, and they didn't try to deceive me or yeah. anything or trick me. Right. It was all about they were taking part out of their lives, their busy lives, to give to me because they cared enough for me because they wanted, they wanted me to get they it. They were a visible reflection of Jesus oh, at that absolutely, time. absolutely. And um, a miracle... I'll, I'll, it, it was a total miracle on that weekend that I experienced too. That uh, um, Saturday evening, we're all together in a chapel and we're praying around the altar. And, oh, you know, you got sometimes you, everybody's locking shoulders and you're rocking back and forth, you know, kind of <laughs> a little kumbaya stuff. But anyway, <laughs> anyway we're, we're around the altar and, and I heard this priest, this old priest, Jesus, Lord, have mercy on me. And I holy cow, what the heck is going on here, you know? And I, I, I knew it was a grace 
moment, a grace-filled moment. And I, I started praying to Jesus that I wanted to see his face. And over and over, I just said, Lord, I want to see your face. I want to see your face. And, and I was really expecting the crucifix's head to turn, you know, and look at me. But that didn't happen. But I had this total calm. I mean, all of a sudden, it was just total peace, goosebumps galore. And I hear, just look around. And I did. And I could see Jesus in everybody's face around that altar. So you did see Jesus. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of people go, may go on retreats and stuff and have that, those kind of experiences. Yeah. And they let them die. But I couldn't. I could not deny what ha- that was. That was real. It, was a, it wasn't a, a, a hear, a thinking, something that I heard through my ears. It was like I heard this resonated deep inside of oh. me, and it's and every and I've helped on different Curcio weekends, and you are blessed every time you help on on any kind of Curcio. And it, you know everybody's has different experiences. That was the thing that just blew me away that Jesus is real. So that ignited something that went oh. deep within you, then didn't yeah. it? And then when I came back, everybody thought I was nuts. So, <laughs> but uh, and I scared the heck out of my wife. Oh my gosh! But you know, it wasn't like I, it wasn't like I just became a total different person. But I was, I was in love, like I said, not only with Christ, but with His church, because I saw, I saw church on that weekend. That that's what. That's what Jesus wants from us. That's what God the Father has in store. the mystical body of Christ. Absolutely. And it was overwhelming. And I'd encourage anybody that has a chance to go on a Curcio, um, be open to the Holy Spirit. The well, Holy I know Spirit they, open, your, open your mind. That's a, that's a great recommendation. But I know God also speaks to us in other forms, too, in formats. Uh, retreat weekends. Oh, sure. Uh, all kinds of whatever you, whenever you are generous with the Lord, He always gives us back more than we expect. Oh, sure. And at yeah. times, yeah. probably more than we deserve. Yeah. You never outdo God in generosity. Oh, you are not kidding. I, you know, we're we're all called as men of the of, of the church that we're called to not only live our faith, but be willing to share it. And even when we were, you know, through our baptism, we're right. all called to be priest. We're all called on that mission. And it's, it's, uh, it's something that it's not easy because it takes time. You know, I would love, see, I, I, I really don't like to read all that much because a lot of times when I read, I start getting sleepy and all that stuff. But I mean, there's some books that catch my attention. Right. But anyway, uh, it's hard for me. To, and I've got to make myself do it sometimes. Uh, when I started my formation for the diaconate, and they, they said, it's going to take five years. And I, I'm i like, five years? Can't we kind of speed this up a little bit? Man, it's a long time. But um, now I look back, and that was that was 10 years ago. That Fast five years, it, though, it, I bet, wasn't oh, it? Yeah. It, and in the same way, we had... There were 24 men that came together, like Curcio. We came together and we grew together 
in Christ and his church. And we, we got to the teaching here in the Archdiocese of St. Louis, unbelievable. Uh, the formation, uh, such good people that love God and love the church and want to share it. And they have the ability to really share it in a, in a great way. Uh, overwhelmed. Um, I could go on and on about one of them, but I'm, I'm not going to start naming names. But uh, I had one teacher that taught like six or seven of the classes that we had. Powerful. And his vocabulary was enormous. So when he first started, I'm thinking, what am I going to get out of this guy? Because, I mean, it was just, I was like, I had to go and look up some of these words when I got home. But, uh, and I, I always, at the end of each year class I'd, or semester, I'd, I'd say, I want to thank you for uh, extending my vocabulary, because he always did. But anyway, yeah. you, what a great model. He was a Franciscan. I'll throw that in. Great, great teacher. Right. Uh, learned so much from him. And it's, it's a great thing. We're going to take a break right now. And uh, stay tuned. We've got more with uh, Deacon Neal to discover. So stay right there. Lord Jesus, inspire me with a concrete resolution of charity and help me to keep it throughout this day. Increase in me your gifts of faith, hope, and love. Guard my words and my thoughts and assist me in reaching out to those in need. Remind me to pray for those who have no one to pray for them and for those who will die this day. Lord, help me remember that doing small things with great love brings you honor and glory. Amen. This segment of Men on a Mission is made possible through the generosity of affordable kitchens and baths. Welcome back to Men on a Mission. And our special guest today, Deacon Neil Westoff. Neil, you were just saying right before the break, uh, telling us a little bit about your experience in the seminary mm -hmm. and the formation and the uh, five years of surrendering yourself to God's work. So let's pick that up here. How has using... Uh, God used you, rather, in your ministry now, uh, moving from just being uh, a dad and father of it, now you uh, are deacon mm -hmm. Neil Westoff yeah. and working in the parish life. Tell us a little bit about your ministry now, what you got going on. Okay. Well, I'm going to start out with this, is that when I was ordained a deacon, deacon is my ministry, it's not my vocation. So, number one, my wife, is my vocation and my family. Your kids. My kids. That's my vocation and my being a deacon is my ministry. And when you sign up to become a deacon, if your wife at any time says, we can't make this work, you're done. It's, she's a, believe it or not, she's the final authority right. before the archbishop ordained you. <laughs> but that's. And that's the way it should be. When you, uh, first before you uh, entered into the uh, uh, religious vocation life, yeah. uh, the sacramental life, you had a marriage sacrament oh, that absolutely. you partook in. Yeah, it, and some of the guys that, that have gone through it that had young kids, I don't know how they do it because you're really taking people away from their family because you're going to class in the evening. Right. And 
I saw this. My, my kids were grown, so that was, that was okay, and my wife signed on to it. But anyway, after that, to realize that my vocation is my wife and my kids, and this ministry that I now have is something that I'm called to do to assist. Right now, I'm assisting the pastor at my parish. Very good to work with. He's, uh, you know, so open to make sure that I'm not taking too much time away from my wife. And now, you know, I'm involved with RCIA and the youth group and, and um, you know, marriage prep and, what you know, uh, baptismal prep. And um, I had shared with you earlier, like with, um, with the marriage, mm-hmm. uh, I, I get a kick out of that. Because, you know, you meet with a couple, you meet with them a few times, and you get them, you know, everything that they have to do and get it all lined up, and you get to know them a little bit better. And then, as I'm the church's witness on their, on their wedding day, that I always get to preach. And I pretty much preach the same message every time, that when you get married, you're called to, you are saying... I am willing to sacrifice my life for you. Right. And the bride says that to the groom, and the groom says that to the bride. I have chosen you to be, to be I, you know, we talk about love, but it's just not, you know, love, love, love. It's about sacrifice. Because I, I, I'll point to the crucifix, and I'll say, you want the greatest example of love? Look at this man hanging on this cross. Because he didn't have to do this, but he he wanted to do this. And you don't have to get married, but you want to get married because you want what is best for the other. And what is best for someone is eternal happiness in heaven with Jesus. And it's it's something that that is your goal. So if you love somebody, that's what you want. Not only with your wife, but with your family. Your kids. Yeah. Your kids. You want to do that for your kids. So every every parent will make sacrifices. My dad worked his rear end off. I mean, he was always, you know, in the evening he was tired. I mean, he'd milk cows in the morning and at night and worked in the sun all day all day long in the summertime and just worn out and um, one time great example of sacrificial love yeah and but one time I was I was talking to him and this was back when I think maybe I just gotten out of high school and uh, I you know this was kind of the movement back in the 70s where you had to tell somebody that you loved them you know and I, I never heard that out of my dad. So I was talking to him. I go, Dad, you never told me that you loved me. And he goes, I don't have to tell you. I showed you. And that was, that was an eye-opener for me because he did. You know, he uh, worked hard. My mom worked hard. Um, and but made it made it work with our family i mean it is no uh, doubt in your mind that uh, everything he did he did out of love for yep. you but i never saw that yeah when i was younger right and sometimes when you when you do have that experience you know where you want to 
it, it's great. You know, you can tell your kids over and over again how much you love them, but make sure you show them. And that's, as, as parents, it couldn't be any better than that. Do you think there's a uh, misunderstanding of that today, or, or especially with men who are husbands and fathers, they don't maybe necessarily see the sacrificial part of uh, their manhood on being the provider and all that, but also giving equal parts of love? How do, what are you coming across in your ministry today that uh, would want you to speak about being a whole man, being totally balanced yeah. Yeah. in their vocation as in their being in their manhood. Yeah, I, I see this, and I you know I don't want to be judgmental on this, but I see a lot of parents nowadays. They're kind of reliving their youth through their kids with sports. I mean, I love sports. I mean, I I played almost all of them, but <laughs> but it, and my kids did too, but. We're, we're focusing so much on that, that that's taking a higher priority instead of giving them something that's going to last forever, which is the faith. And, you know, you, it's funny, you know, when you talk about people that, uh, you know, when you say you're Catholic and then somebody asks you a question about the Catholic Church and so many guys have that deer in the headlight look like, <laughs> holy cow, I've got to come up with this answer. Are you kidding me? So... Uh, why, why are you Catholic? You know, you, you say you're Catholic. If you don't know what it's about, why would you join something if you didn't know something, you know, if you didn't know what it was about? Yeah. So, sure, you may have been born in a church or, you know, or whatever, but you, you should really want to know. Any kind of club that you join, you want to you wanna know what it's about. You don't want to find out later on that, you know, you're doing terrible things in the basement or something, you know, I mean, you don't want to do that, but it's all about understanding what Jesus did. And the, the one thing for me is the, is the power of the Eucharist that Jesus not only gave himself on a cross, he gives us himself every day in the Eucharist. And it, it's, it's not a bunch of, it's not a story. Not it, a symbol. It's not a symbol. It is real. And we are united with him. He wants to have a real, real experience yeah. with us on a personal level. Yeah. That way, through offering himself at the Mass through the Blessed Sacrament. I, you know, nowadays, you, some people seem confused by that teaching, the basics of our faith. How do you respond? How do you help people understand the real person of Jesus through your ministry? Well, I, I have an opportunity at our parish that I, um, when I'm not busy on the farm or, or another job that I may have, that I go over to school and I teach. I teach religion. And I, these kids probably think I'm a broken record, but I'm always talking about them, about they have to fulfill their Sunday obligation. And as as Catholic, and, and as Catholics, we do this because we need to come to Jesus. And the church knows human nature. And the church knows that if I don't put a rule down here, you're never going to show up. And the same way with a family. When you make families have rules, and if you don't follow the rules, you're causing problems. 
And it's the same way with us. You're missing if, out, too. Well, true. You're missing out, and, and, and you're causing chaos. Right. And there's chaos in the church. And it's such almost a, a showing, though, almost a lack of love and affection, too, in your immediate family members if you're invited and you don't show. Yeah. So Jesus, God's waiting for us to come only one hour a week. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's the minimum. You know, I yeah, mean, just, that is... He said, look, you got all the time the rest of the week. Just give me one hour. Yeah, yeah. And, and the, what we get out of that, people don't realize the great gift they get from that, yeah. from even just attending Mass. Yeah. The, the grace that we receive whenever we, whenever we under, try to understand what Jesus is doing for us right. every day. Right. And if we can, we can hold on to that grace... And turn to the Holy Spirit and asking, asking the Holy Spirit to help us to do our mission. I mean, to fulfill our mission on earth, which is, you know, to share Christ's love with everyone. But it starts with your family. And you go from there. Uh, one of our... One of the things that was really pushed on us, not pushed, but taught to us in, 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 uh, in formation yeah. was, was the, the theory of subsidiarity, which is you start with the family, and then, then it's in the parish, and you reach out. You, the family knows how to take care of their own problems, and you take care of the family. Then you, you get involved with the parish, and you help there, and then it goes to... Maybe the county, and then or the community, and then the county, and then the state, and you just it just grows from there. That's how you get your that's how you get your support. Right. It should come from the family. And Pope John Paul the Saint Pope John Paul II preached that constantly. How important the family was. The domestic church. That is the domestic church, and that's how it all starts. And there's so many people they think, well, well I got to get money from the government. You know, I mean, we got we got to rely on the government here, and it's the total opposite. Right. You know, it it should start at the family and work its way up. And if there's a family that's in need, we as the church, we are called. And you know, I'm not trying to get in politics or anything like that, but uh, it's not the government's responsibility. And you know, you got people that pay taxes and all that stuff, and and they gotta, uh, you know, ensure they help the poor and welfare and everything, but taxes is that's forced charity you know right. forced charity is not charity right. we need to be charitable with the gifts that god has given us and as as men and women of the church we need to understand that that if there's a need we got to meet it right. and that's what that's what god did god loves us so much oh. I, and i i that you know, he loved us so much that he sent his son, you know, and his son loved us so much that he humbled himself to become one of us. And the love that the father has for the son and the son for the father, and um, it's it, the thing about going to Mass on Sunday. And I heard a priest say this one time that we always begin, you know, in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen, that. We come to Mass to give glory and honor to the Father through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're there for. Jesus wants us to honor his Father. And 
the Father wants us to appreciate what the Son has done. And then that love back and forth between those two creates the love of the Holy Spirit. It's a which, reflection of the domestic church, yeah, the, the which family prompts, unit. Yeah, which prompts us to do works of charity right? and, and to seek a greater understanding. Yeah. And, the, and the whole deal about when you experience that sacrificial love like Jesus has for us. Same thing and, that you preach to those mar- new to married couple. Yeah, it's, it's a, it, you know, sacrifice is sometimes is not fun. You know, that's right. But it's worth it. And Jesus, Jesus sees, you know, I'm sure when Jesus was hanging on the cross before before he breathed his last death and he's going through all that and he knows he knows what's going to happen that he has he has run his course and he has defeated he's defeated death. And it's weird. He dies and he defeats death. Yeah. You know, and he rises, you know, and the Father, you know, has him rise at Easter, and we believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I think, I, I think what we need to do is just try to make it real. Before we end, is there a message you'd like to uh, leave our listeners, our viewers with about this particular element of sacrificial love? How would you summarize all of that in conclusion here? Okay. Well, as we experience Jesus totally humbling himself and coming to earth and sacrificing himself, that we not only take his lead, we, we, we grab a hold of it and understand what satisfaction he had when he realized that he was, was showing us how to love and then we can take that love and give it to somebody else. That's that's what we're called to do. And it's just not, you know, like I said before, it's just not love, 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 and kumbaya and all that. <laughs> it's a life of sacrifice. And uh, and sacrifice, uh, it's worth it. Given it really freely is. for one another. Yes, absolutely. No matter what the cost. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's true. So. Well. Deacon Neal, what a pleasure having you join us today. Bob, Thank you for your, good to see you. sharing your uh, your history and your vocation. And uh, we want to pray for you and in your ministry and all that's going on. Thank you. And maybe you'd like to leave the viewers your blessing. Okay. The blessing of Almighty God, Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit descend upon you and remain with you forever and ever. Amen. Thank you. And until we see you again, wishing God's blessing and peace be in your life. Thank you and take care.